Hi friends, welcome to the Artist Blend. Today we are talking about flow theory in the actor's process. So grab your mug. And let's get talking. We have a guest today. We do. Uh, we have Kimber Kane with us today. Uh, we are so excited to have her here. A little bit about Kimber. Uh, she's an actor, director, writer, audio engineer, and educator. She just yeah. got her MFA in acting from UCS. And she's here to talk about flow theory. She has some really uh, interesting things and and sort of um, uh, positive psychology. Uh, it's, an inter- uh, her, it's an interdisciplinary look at the actor's technique through the lens of positive psychology. Um, she is well-rounded in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, she got her start as an audio engineer for nationally touring musicians. She's also been an actor working at Orlando Shakes. Um, she's also been a resident company member and director at Playhouse in White Lake in Michigan for the past 14 years. Um, and she's also done some film work. She's done so many things. She's directed youth productions, including the the Penguin Project for youth with different abilities. Kimber is an excellent example of what we are trying to do with the show, which is be better, well-rounded artists and learn a lot of things about a lot of things. And uh, so we're so excited that you're here. Um, so yeah, thanks for being here, Kimber. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Of course. Uh, so this is one of those rare instances, everyone, where... We don't have coffee, but we're all sharing in something warm. So we'll <laughs> talk about that at the end of the show and just share our various coffee endeavors, if you will. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so thank you so much for being here, Kimber. We're very excited to have this conversation and just to sort of rub elbows with such an amazing person and a, a lovely <laughs> resume, if I will say. Oh, um, gosh, likewise. <laughs> thank you. Of course. So um, first of all, like I just kind of want our audience members to know who you might be. So tell us who Kimber King is. Well, um, <laughs> we're starting off with an easy question. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> tell us about yourself. <laughs> when I was two. <laughs> um, so I am a middle-aged Midwestern mom who is passionate about all things storytelling. I am also an anxious actor. Love it. <laughs> That's the short version. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make t-shirts. It'll be great. <laughs> I am an anxious actor. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, that's amazing. Um, I I love I loved reading your thesis. Um, so many good nuggets inside of it. And Thank you. Sort of, sort of to introduce uh, introduce everybody into um, the flow state, and especially in acting. Um, if you will, we like to ask our guests sometimes to necessarily give us their elevator pitch. So for you, I would ask, what's your elevator pitch for Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's flow state? Oh, um, well, flow theory. So Mihai Csikszentmihalyi is a Hungarian-American um, scientist, psychologist who wanted to study happiness. Study how he grew up in Europe during World War II and was fascinated by the fact that some people could still find happiness even during really traumatic times. Mm-hmm. So he devoted his life to studying happiness. And what he found over interviewing like 8,000 different people across the globe from all different 
socioeconomic backgrounds, from all different um, walks of life, is that people who experienced what he called the optimal experience, they could actually lose themselves in an activity. Mm-hmm. The more they could do that, the happier they were. Mm-hmm. So he started interviewing all of these people and found that there were nine conditions of flow and they were universal, wow. which is just mind boggling. Yep. If you think of 8,000 <laughs> different people from all over the globe, right? Yeah. Um, so what he also found, which is what really interested me the most as the anxious actor, mm-hmm. is that when people are in a state of flow, self-consciousness disappears. Um, as actors, I think we all know what it feels like to be in the state of flow, to be living moment to moment. Yeah. Um, all of that anxiety, all of the self-questioning really just disappears. And we're, we, are, we are living moment to moment in the craft, doing it for the sake of doing it. Mm. Not to appease anyone, but just to, to tell a story and to love what we're doing. Yeah. And so mm. I really wanted to look at that connection to see if I could alleviate my own anxiety as an actor. I love it. That's, that's, yeah. It's fascinating that um, it was that many people and as your thesis was talking about, everybody seemed to have the same experience coming away from the study. So it's it's insane to think that it's that broad of a spectrum that so many people can experience. Yeah. Um, he he said that flow occurs in three people, and mm. it was brilliant people, personally creative people, and people who have changed our culture in some important respect, end quote. How would you support your thoughts on actors and even acting uh, falling into this distinction necessarily. Yeah. So what you're referring to is so he again, he studied many different facets of, yeah. of happiness yes. and flow theory. And, and sort of once he of once he once he recognized these nine conditions, he started applying them to other sectors of mm-hmm. study. And one of them was studying the the quote unquote creative person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because creativity is what makes us human. It's what differentiates us from other species, right? Is is the the ability to advance. So, um, what he defined is that there are three different types of creatives. One is the brilliant person. This is the person who has really brilliant conversations, has really interesting insights into things, has new ideas. Um, and then there's the personally creative person. And these are the people who experience the world in novel and original ways, um, but may not, and they discover new things, but but they discover them on their own. And and it's not like a, a public sharing. It's something that they discover them for themselves. Yep. But then the third creative is the creative that he actually studied. And he had to put these parameters so that he could say, these are the these are the, the, the parameters by which I'm going to say I'm going to study this person and they are a creative as I hold it up to this mirror, essentially. Makes sense. And those creatives are individuals who change our culture or advance their own field. Mm-hmm. So he used examples like Thomas Edison, Einstein, Picasso, as the people who really move us forward as a culture and as a society. And so then he took flow theory and really held those nine conditions up to those individuals as he was, as he was following them and asking them interview questions. And that was really interesting to me because we are creatives, right? We're actors. Yep. Um, and so I really had to qualify, okay, can I can I really look at acting through the lens of flow theory 
And if so, then I'm, I have to qualify actors as as a creative, as Chick sent me high yep. defined. As I was looking at it, I really thought, well, creatives are personally creative. They def- we definitely actors definitely sit at home for the most for the most part. We are solitary in our work. It's true. You know, it's like the iceberg. The actor does all their work at home by themselves. And um, we we do our monologue work. Mm-hmm. We do our actioning. We we do all of that work solitarily. Yep. But we are not creating unless actors are on stage or in a platform where they're sharing it publicly. Yep. So by that definition, I believe actors are what Csikszentmihalyi coined creative. Yeah. We are constantly creating something new. We're constantly pushing our field, and we are always doing it in a public sphere. Yeah, I, and I loved the way you worded it um, in your thesis. I just wanted—I wanted to see if there was there was more to it, and it's yeah beautifully said in explaining it that way. Um, because when you broke it down into, or when he broke it down into three categories, and then you have the argument to say, "Well, acting and actors are creative," I was like, "Of course, we we are." We do all this work, and then we present it. I mean, it makes sense. Mm. I mean, when people yeah, say... Yeah, we're... Con- no, go ahead, please. <laughs> I was just going to say we're continuously creating something new. Yeah, Every single it. time we put, pick up a new s- script, every single time we walk out on stage, you know, we are li- literally yeah. pursuing flow every time we step on that stage. Mm. And that I, I think there's something in that, that that encapsulates one of the many difficulties when you, when you think of flow, it's it's almost like um, when I think of a composer achieving flow, I think <laughs> of them struggling and trying to find it and working, 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 and then boom, they're in flow, and then it works for a moment. But what the actor is trying to do is trying to be in that perfect moment always, which is one of the, the most difficult things, I think. Um, looking at other industries achieving flow or other art forms achieving flow, it's this moment of beauty that we try to hold on to, but for the actor, it's it's constant. It's almost not a requirement constantly, but it's it's the ideal. Yeah, constantly. and that's that was my main impetus for looking through this lens for my own process was okay, which which of these conditions of flow am I achieving, and which am I not achieving? And if I continuously strive to achieve all of mm. these, will I be in flow more often? Mm. Hence getting rid of the anxiety that was debilitating for me yeah see that's insane and crazy that i mean it, it makes perfect yeah. sense when it is explained but to even have that thought it's just like oh well that, that makes sense <laughs> it's kind of like thinking about writing and then doing it but you yeah. already know how to do it <laughs> and having the discipline to sit down and actually write exactly <laughs> <laughs> which is my biggest problem yeah <laughs> you later in your thesis you bring up uh Stanislavski and the connections there in with yeah. uh, flow mm-hmm. uh, and flow theory and how they might be connected. And that was fascinating to me just through training of uh, being familiar with Stanislavski and Meisner as, as you are as well within your teachings. But um, can you elaborate on what you found either in practice or research and necessarily like the section you were talking about where ego fights, that or the ego has a fight, oh, flight, freeze, that and fawn. ego. It was fascinating, but I, I would love to dig into that a little bit. <laughs> it is fascinating, and I have so much yeah. more to learn. I feel like <laughs> it just cracked the surface of this for now. But... It probably, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think first I, I'm just going to quickly glean over what 
Csikszentmihalyi High's conditions of flow are, so yeah. that then we we can draw that into Stanislavski. I think it'll be a little more clear if I if sure. I just kind of quickly state them. Yes, please. So, uh, what he found was the conditions of flow. These four things um, lead to the state of flow, and the first thing is that you have clear goals for what you're doing. That then that your skills meet the challenge, but they are also consistently incrementally challenged. That there's focus, so you're free from distraction and you can focus on the task at hand, and that you have a feedback system. He says it, immediate feedback, but I found in my own system, as long as I had it within like a day, it, it was okay. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, if if you reach these these four things, they should lead to um, the experience of flow, which is that your actions and your awareness are merged. You lose all sense of time. You have a lack of self-consciousness and the experience of doing is what you enjoy. So we always, as actors talk about, as actors talk about end gaming, end gaming disappears. And it's just, this experience is autotelic. What I am doing is rewarding unto itself. So those are the the conditions. Okay. And so when we when we hold this up to Stanislavski's system, Stanislavski said that his system must serve as a threshold into what he called the creative state. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where the actor becomes a creator, not an imitator, right? We all know yeah. Stanislavski is the grandfather of the American <laughs> acting system. Yes. He really <laughs> wanted to take life and put it on stage as... <laughs> realistically as possible right yep what i found really interesting and there are a couple of other scholars out there that have already done this comparison so i've, I've read a lot of, of their pieces is that Stanislavski in his early books so um an actor prepares an actor's work yep. he draws this like fictional diary of of an acting student going through his own course essentially although he doesn't mm-hmm. say it's him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, he starts the whole shebang off with a description of an actor who is experiencing euphoria mm. is his actions are merged with the characters he loses all sense of time and he has no sense of self-consciousness sound familiar? Yeah. no completely <laughs> so he starts the whole book off with a state of flow yeah which I thought was so incredibly cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, you know, um, Stanislavski, Stanislavski died oh, when Csikszentmihalyi was, I think, four years old. It. So there's absolutely no connection there other yeah. than this is obviously a universal okay. thing that people experience. Okay. So Stanislavski dedicated his life essentially yeah. to helping actors pursue a state of flow. And it seems so simple, mm-hmm. but it's so difficult to achieve, right? How do you how do you consciously yeah. trick yourself into letting the subconscious take over so you can just live in the moment and be in flow? Exactly. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's like you say in your um, thesis that it's yeah um, it's not common, but it's not rare, and it happens. I think you said less than four times in a, a year for an a individual year. sometimes. 
And it's it's crazy to think about that I might have done that, but don't recall it. And now that I'm aware of flow theory, I'd be like, wait, is this it? Is it happening? <laughs> right. <laughs> Am I there yet? Yeah. And that study in particular was done. Um, I think it was it was very limited. It was only like mm. 40 undergrad students and maybe 20 graduate students at the same university. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definite because this 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 interdisciplinary study with acting is brand new. Yep. I mean, actors have studied psychology from day one, but it hasn't gone the opposite direction. It's yeah. starting to. There's a um, a psychologist slash actor mm. who actually just wrote a book Gee. on stage fright. Um, oh, wow. Dr. Linda Brennan, and she interviewed, I want to say it was 90 actors, and these are all mm. like professionals. Some are A-listers. They all hid their names, huh. which is mm. so telling about where we are with talking yeah. about anxiety as a yeah. whole. Um, but she actually, her book is the one that I started with before I started investigating flow theory. Okay. And she was really big on um, returning to the why you started acting in the first place. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, and I read all of these other stories of other actors who just had debilitate, debilitating anxiety, I mean, even to the point mm -hmm. of wanting to commit suicide, it was that bad. I had to think about it. You know, I was in the middle of grad school and I was like, yeah. why the hell did I start this journey? Exactly. So I, I had to really think about my why again. And that, that had me, that, that was such a beautiful realization that I got into acting initially because I had such terrible social anxiety. Okay. And for me, storytelling as a whole was a way I could escape my own circumstances, put myself in someone else's. And then connect with people where I didn't feel like I could connect, could connect otherwise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized after years and years of pursuing ultimate vulnerability, which we have to have to be real human beings on stage, the more I sort of stripped away and shed my protective coating, the more anxious I got again. Yep. Yeah. And I had to figure out why again. So this has been a really, really amazing journey. Yeah. I love I love that it's been amazing and continues to be. Um, but the whole idea of going back to the why, we, we like to think about it in our character's sense sometimes, particularly when we're doing character work, is like, why is this character coming into the room? Why is this character having this argument? But we ourselves as actors need to go back to the why. Why are, why are we doing what we're trying to do? Why, why did we start doing it? And for me, that was really powerful to be reading it that way. Um, but particularly coming, a nice segue into the next discussion, um, with it, with your anxiety, if you don't mind me referring yeah, to- Yeah, no, let's um, bring it on. Let's with, talk about with, it, with darn it. it. Yes, go. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, with, with your anxiety being the uh, reoccurring state, um, the discussion of anxieties, specifically actor-prone anxieties, comes to light in your thesis. Uh, and there's a section that calls normal anxiety versus neurotic anxiety. What's the difference necessarily? Yeah. Like, how, how do we get to the joy of the work versus the anxiety and rehearsal? The, like, process, not product, if you will. Uh, I, I remember reading that in your thesis as well. So, Yeah, that was one of the things I read in Dr. Brennan's book as well. She really broke down the fact that anxiety is such a blanket term. 
mm-hmm. can mean many different things. Um, yep. She ultimately decided to use in her work the words stage fright. Because mm-hmm. She felt like um, it then anchored what she was talking about specifically to the actor. Yeah. Um, but what what I found mm-hmm. in reading her work in particular is that anxiety is a normal occurrence for all artists, right? Yep. We all get anxious. Yep. I think if if you're not anxious before you go on um, for a show or or to perform at all, when you've been working for how many months, and this is this is you literally exposing yourself to an audience, if you're not anxious in some way, I, I don't I don't think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> But so neurotic anxiety then is when your defense mechanisms are triggered. Mm-hmm. So a sense, essentially, um, your body's fight, flight, or fawn mechanisms will come in to protect you, yeah. and things start physically happening, mm-hmm. and it completely impedes your creative process. So things like shaking, negative thoughts that are that are on a loop in your head and your mind. It totally takes you out of a any of any focus you have on 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 the story itself, yeah. um, and all you can focus on is your own perceived inadequacies. So that's that is the neurotic anxiety that I really focused on, as yeah. opposed to just the normal. Normal, yep. Yeah, like you said, anxiety as a term is is so broad. With so broad. Her calling it mm-hmm. stage fright. It, it hits a little closer to home for actors that are like, oh, yes, I know exactly what that term means mm-hmm. instead of just anxiety as a whole. Um, but right. that entire and, section was just fascinating. Well, thank you. And I, didn't yeah. use the, I didn't use stage fright because for me, anxiety actually showed up in even my preparation process. Yep. So for me, it's not just on stage. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so I just used anxiety and defined that as more of the neurotic anxiety. If it's going to impede my process and shut me down. That is the anxiety I was really interested in exploring through flow theory. Um, so a little bit later after this section, uh, you you mentioned, um, I believe it's exercises, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have like trim, trimmer work and, and or zero zone praxis. That's two yeah. different things, I know. Can you can you explain about what either one or both of those per- pertains to or how it, how it practices? in either yourself or in just in general? Yeah, so when I when I looked through these um, really four parameters of flow theory, mm-hmm. um, I started recognizing where I had holes yep. in the different um, conditions. Um, and then I started trying to figure out, okay, well, what techniques or what methods can I use to, to fill these holes? And mm-hmm. so, for for instance, um, clear goals for an actor, right? Yeah. Um, that's like the the first thing you have to have to be able mm-hmm. to achieve flow is our clear mm-hmm. goals. And I so I backed into that, and I said, okay, well, if we want to achieve flow and performance, the ultimate goal is living in the moment for performance. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. requires goals and rehearsal to be able to play with the objectives and the given circumstances which then requires goals and preparation to open yep. your mind and body and breath and your voice to be able to achieve that. Mm-hmm. 
So within that, then I sort of delved down deeper and I started looking at each one of those, um, each, each one of those sections of my own process. Yeah. And in preparation, I found I had a great warm up. I wanted my, my, again, to open the mind and body and my breath and my voice. Um, I, I, I definitely felt like I had difficulty letting go at times yeah. and being able to to sort of let impulse flow freely through through my body, through my mind. You know, if you're yeah. if we're all stopped up with tension, we can't exactly uh speak, let alone put a, a comprehensive thought together. Exactly. So in my graduate work, I found uh Catherine Fitzmorris's tremor work, and this is something that Vivian Majkowski, who is my um voice text and speech professor had studied and this is such a cool way to open yourself up as a human being not just as an actor yep basically tricks your your body and your mind into letting the autonomic nervous system take over do we all have deep and dark thoughts at times sure but do we share them out loud rarely enter moi i'm katie rose and i'm serving life straight up with a twist has infidelity ever crossed your mind are you struggling with a friendship or relationship do you feel alone or tired of the injustices of life of course you're human drop in for some katie rx as i share my dose of reality advice and intoxicating stories from my journey with infertility political views and even running away and joining the circus my life is a mixed cocktail of adventures and i'm not afraid to express my personal truths or point out the elephant in the room. Circus joke. All right, life is hard, so pop in when you can, grab a coffee, grab a cocktail, or join me on your commute. The dose of humor and a splash of honesty, this short glass of sass is unfiltered. You'll definitely learn something about me, but you may leave learning something for yourself. And if you really like hanging out with me, show me your love and help me rise to the top by clicking on the five-star button wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Katie Rose, served straight up with a twist. We store trauma and and tension in the body. Yeah, um, this is really a, a more of a, a an Eastern way of thinking. Mm. Is that if we if we can release the things that hold our body back, then we can release the trauma within. We can start to get rid of that anxiety. Mm. So what Fitzmaurice did was she she directed actors into a state of physical um poses that would induce tremoring tremoring like if you're really cold you start to shake right shiver yep or if you're having a traumatic response you start to shiver your body does it automatically Mm. it's not something Mm -hmm. that the mind controls and when what she found was when you do that then you release all of this tension you're holding and your breath freeze and you, you literally, it's like your body takes over your, and your mind takes a backseat. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we did this in class and um, it's, it's the, the craziest experience. The first time I did it, I literally, it's going to sound insane and it is, but I literally felt stress leave out of my kneecaps. It was like, yeah. that sounds just wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. I, I recommend, wow. highly recommend it for anyone. Yeah. Um, but I do remember the first time we did it, nothing was explained to us. It was just, I think it was 
our professor's way of kind of tee hee, let's see what happens to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember after the first one, just, just, uh, I, some of us were laughing uncontrollably. It was a room full of just crazy people. Some people were laughing yeah. uncontrollably. <laughs> I was crying uncontrollably. It was just, wow, mayhem. what a roller coaster. Yeah, no. it was. Um, and I've seen it, I've seen it since in other classes. It wasn't, it, so I know it wasn't just me. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that I have incorporated into my own warm up process. So I warm up my yeah. my body, and then I also do tremor work. During the time I was in um, my master's program, I also met Tamora Tover, who is a PhD candidate in Manchester, UK. He's actually mm-hmm. from Estonia. Oh, fun! But he was he was in our classes as a Fulbright scholar because he's working on his own praxis which alleviates uh anxiety between the actor and the director in the rehearsal process i remember reading that yeah which was crazy timing because i was at the time trying to figure out what do do i want to focus on and yeah gee anxiety keeps getting in my way why don't i work on that right (laughs) um and i met him and i took a series of workshops with him it was only about four of them while it was at ucf and um really enjoyed it it was very meditation and yoga based um again all about getting you in the moment and out of your out of your negative thoughts (laughs) um and he was kind enough that summer before he went back to the uk to actually coach me on some sessions and sort of took me through his own um Praxis setting teaches actors. It's a little bit different because I took it for an individual practice where his is more supposed to be between a conversation between the director and actor. But what I did was I took some of his uh, practice and also incorporated it into into mine and it helped with some of these flow theory holes that I had. Um, One of them was just literally meditating and getting getting myself able to when anxiety starts taking over recognize it but not let it take over so you recognize Mm -hmm. it and then you basically say hello to it and you give yourself a few minutes which seems like an eternity when you're on stage and anxiety starts trying to take over (laughs) but you give yourself a minute to recognize it (laughs) and then you um Focus back in on the given circumstances and the moment that you're in. But the whole key is not letting yourself run away with the negative thoughts. Yeah. And once you start recognizing that and training the mind to know, okay, this is happening, but I'm not letting it take over, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. So that was Yeah, I really... wish I could turn that channel to mute. Oh, Just... man. Nope. <laughs> oh, those negative thoughts are... they're. Yeah. And they're so unnecessary. It's a playlist nobody wants. <laughs> I know. It's like, I didn't sign up for this right? playlist. Why is it on my Spotify? Get off. <laughs> exactly. I think I think the biggest realization was, you know, going back to the ego because Tamora concentrates heavily on the ego and those defense mechanisms and how to get it out of mm-hmm. the way for you. Um, yep. I was, I was in rehearsal for... Um, a, a new piece that was being developed at UCF, Affinity Lunch Minutes. It's a beautiful play if you ever get the chance. Um, it was sort of, it's it's the first time it was actually going to be fully produced. And I 
had a very long monologue toward the, the middle of the play that I had to deliver. And I was really struggling with it because um, it was this uh, headmaster of a Quaker school and she had some some questionable, questionable, questionable decisions that she had made. And she had mm-hmm. to go in front of the entire Quaker community and the school and br- unite them together um, around the fact that this was a hard decision, but it's been made and let's move forward positively. But the text itself was very um, sort of chastising and you could tell that she was just wanted control so badly. Um, mm-hmm. So I was really struggling with that juxtaposition, right? How do you convince yep. a room full of people to be around, to to back you up when you're literally chastising them or it seems that way? And so yep. I brought it to my director, Roberta Emerson, who's just a fantastic director here in the Orlando area. And I said, I'm struggling with this. I, I don't know, like nothing feels right to me. And so she said, okay. Well, I had done all the work. I had done my actioning. I knew my given circumstances. I knew who I was talking to. I felt like I knew what I was saying. And so she said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You are going to convince all of us in this room to stay in this room with your monologue. So it was the entire production team, the whole creative team, and the other actors. No pressure. No, none at all. So (laughs) You'll be fine. Wow. So (laughs) you'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I start. I was like, oh, okay. So I started the monologue and the way I thought I would be able to convince them to stay in the room. And one by one, they all started getting out of their seats hey. and edging hey. ever closer to the door. And hey. she was like, you have to make them stay in the room. You have to make them stay in the room. Hey. And I just, they were all leaving. Yep. And I just remember just, being like, what, 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 you know, yep. what is happening? And then my director got one foot out the door and she turned to me and she said, you're getting angry. Try something different. Then <laughs> that exact moment, I was like, my ego took over. Mm-hmm. This is, this is not my character. This is not me in these given circumstances. This is Kim getting ticked off <laughs> because people are leaving the room. Yeah. Wow. I was projecting which is a self-defense mechanism right yeah yeah so i remember in that moment i just started to breathe using the zero zone praxis which tomorrow had taught me i started to breathe and i did nothing for a minute and i just i I really looked at the faces of the people i was supposed to be convincing to be on my side Mm -hmm. and what i saw was i saw furrowed brows i saw um people who looked concerned. I saw I saw a group of people who needed to be comforted. Yep. And I was yelling at them. <laughs> so it, as soon as I, I breathed that in and took a second, I started, everything changed. Yep. I now was most concerned with their safety and their well-being. Mm-hmm. And that's all that took over. And so I started the monologue again and they all came back into the room. Wow. <laughs> but that's what the ego does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ego takes over. And when if you can recognize, I started recognizing when it took over and some some just traumatic triggers that I had 
And now that I know where they are, they still start to take over. Mm, yeah. But I can literally say, mm, I see what's happening. Mm. Take a minute. Yeah. And redirect it. Wow. Yeah. That's it a game changing moment. That I remember reading that, but hearing it from your own words is even more powerful. And it really uh, emphasizes the point that you were talking about where like, our, our skills must teeter on the edge of ease and challenge. Like we have to yes. make it look extremely easy, but we're we're processing so many things through our head, but we're smiling on stage. So no one knows. Right. No one knows what's happening. <laughs> no one knows what my body's doing right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm in trouble here. <laughs> I think I think that story is an an excellent example of of active listening on stage. Yes, you were in a monologue delivering, yep. but you weren't listening. And then it wasn't until Gosh, Roberta's brilliant. It wasn't until no. you were called out, your ego was yes. called out, and then you took a minute, and then you started to listen to them through just observing. And through those observations, you were able to to pivot to a new tactic and found success in that. And I that's just a lovely example of of um learning uh just just self observation. <laughs> well, granted you don't want to fall into the self conscious trap. And so it's uh, but that's what a director yep. is there for to, to guide you yeah. through that. And so, so what a what a lovely example of like of finding the path again. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Chuck High talks about the ego too, and you know, just says if if you are plagued with these negative thoughts, you will never enter flow. Mm-hmm. That is one of his cornerstones too. Is you have to you have to know when your ego steps in. And that was again game changing for me too because I don't think. Many people actually know when your defense mechanism is triggered. It just is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It just happened. Mm-hmm. So for me, recognizing now when that actually happens, it's amazing. Yeah. It's helped <laughs> it's helped me with with personal relationships too, you know. And I think ego is ego in our our Western term is is sort of it has a negative connotation yeah yeah but it's not like the diva ego it's the protect it's a protection mechanism mechanism that we all have and we all have it yeah Yeah. everyone does whether you like it or not like face it (laughs) (laughs) it's Um, there (laughs) but to to sort of tie that everybody has it i i love your character work and uh, the guides that you have within your thesis about self-reflection on what went well what would what didn't and labeling them that way I guess one thing I would love for our listeners to really take away because everybody knows the phrase, you're your own worst critic, but I loved your chapter that is, you are your best critic. So how would you say, either within the study of flow or how can our listeners take away how to become your best feedback, your best critic, and not to be necessarily too harsh, but to be uh, developmental of going forward and making oneself better? Yeah. I think that was my biggest aha mm-hmm. with all of this research. Teach actors to open themselves. We ask them to be strong, to be bold, to advocate for themselves. But then we put them in a system of academia that has these extrinsic rewards, right? Where mm-hmm. it's driven by... um it's driven by reviews. It's driven by feedback from other actors. It's driven by, oh, this you're a good actor. You're a bad actor. It's, it's yeah. driven by these outside forces. When as actors, we really are intrinsically motivated. We want to tell a story for the story's sake 
We want to connect with other people. Going back to the, you know, um, Dr. Brennan's why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. We're not often taught how to be our own critic, how to have our own feedback system. Yeah. And I really struggled with this because I was like, how do I know if it's good? Mm -hmm. How do I know if I'm doing it right? Mm -hmm. I was looking for teachers to tell me, right? Someone else. (laughs) Right. Um, So... One of the things I took away again from Tamora Tober's work is creating this list every night after rehearsal or even in performance, I'll do this. I'll write down five positive things, five negative things. <laughs> and what that does is not only makes me reflect on what I had just done, <laughs> but it sets me up to be excited about setting goals for the next day, yep. the next rehearsal. I always, always, always was impressed by the actress who walk in the room and their directors would throw a million things at them and they're like, yeah, great, let's go. Yeah, great, yes, and Yes, let's mm-hmm. go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And not a single moment of hesitation or or feeling like like they were not good enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a feedback system, if you're able as an actor to say, I hit all my own checkpoints, I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Now I can accept the feedback from the director and work as a team to achieve that common goal. Yeah. It's a game changer too. And it's so simple. And what I found when I was going through this feedback system every day, uh, I did it. I started it on a a, a professional performance at Orlando Shakes. And at first it was just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to write these things down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it, it, like I said, it eventually turned into, oh, wow, every sin- everything I'm writing down fits into these four conditions of flow. Mm-hmm. So if I just hold this up to everything that I do, I have my own feedback system. Yep. Eh. Was I focused? If not, why? Were my skills up to par? If not, why? Mm-hmm. Did I have goals for every rehearsal and every performance? If not, set them. Yeah. Mm. And it works. I, I, yeah. I stopped second guessing myself and started just looking forward to what else I could do, you know? Mm-hmm. See, as, as a goal-oriented person, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I don't know about you, you two, and then there may be others listening. For myself, it's not necessarily the director's fault. They're doing a million jobs oh. and have mm-hmm. ginormous hats, if you will. But... I myself sometimes will leave rehearsals and if you get no notes, you're like, did I, did I just do everything right? What happened? This self-reflection system really is going to change the game for me necessarily to be setting goals. If you're not, you need to be thinking about if you didn't do something, why, why didn't you, what didn't happen? It's not that you didn't get a note because you did it perfect. It's because you need to give yourself your own notes to go further. And then if you receive a note, you either know why or, or you come back and be like, I, I don't know, I just made a choice. I, I believe you right. said it in your thesis where uh, if a director says something and you don't have an answer, it's like, were you even on stage? Like, were yeah. you there? <laughs> yeah, that's very a very common phenomenon for all of oh, us, yeah. as you know, to get lo- sort of lost in the moment and not remember what you did. And then yeah. how can you make any changes if you have no idea <laughs> what you just did? It's, exactly, and yeah. It, a director comes at you with a note. I can't. I can't even tell you how many times this has happened. A director <laughs> will say, "Hey Kim, um, 
you were really, um, I don't know, like really stiff in this moment or really angry in this moment. And I'm like, I don't know I what I did. I don't yeah. know what that was. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but with, with this, the, with this method and a couple of other things that I discovered, mm-hmm. um, playback is another one where you just sit quietly after you've rehearsed and play back everything that you did. Yeah. Um, I now know exactly what I did and how to make it. I, I, a lot of times I'll fix it myself before the director even gives me a note because I'll <laughs> yeah. be like, oh, that's what I did. Yeah. Um, and it, it, then it, but then it also takes the sort of personalization out of it. This isn't a, this isn't an attack on me no. or my skills. Yeah. It is, it is just, this is the job we're doing. We're here to tell a story together mm. and I'm, I'm bringing something to the table and I know that now. Yeah. Um, mm. And that's a really cool, I, I feel like that is missing, right? <laughs> um, I call it actualization, not affirmation. Ooh, like, I, don't, I like that. I don't need affirmation from anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. It's great to have. Yeah. But like you said, directors have a bajillion things that they're doing, mm-hmm. a million hats. And, and the bulk of their notes are going to be more about things that need to improve or change or move mm-hmm. in some way. So you're not always going to get affirmation. So looking for it within yourself is step one. Yeah. Amazing. I, I can't I can't thank you enough. One for your work and research, two for your thesis, and three for your time here today. Sort of to necessarily wrap up and just for fun, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite kind of coffee? We love asking our guests that since we are a coffee cup podcast. So <laughs> I am a, a espresso yeah. person. Mm. Um <laughs> Espresso with some flavor, but yeah. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, I like really, really strong coffee. Amazing. It, it keeps us going. Not only are we self-reflecting, but we're caffeinated. <laughs> we have energy. Yes, to be fine. <laughs> yes. Last night, I, for the first time, tried um, uh, Cassé Bonbon. Mm. Have you heard of that before? It's uh, an espresso shot with sweetened condensed milk. That Ooh. falls to the bottom, and so you can stir it. It is lovely. I'd never had that it before. That sounds nice. <laughs> that sounds like the Cuban. There's a Cuban version of that that is to die for too. It's amazing. I'm writing okay. these down. Cool. <laughs> yeah, black bean black bean deli makes it. Well, awesome. Yeah, I I just had um. Oh, black bean deli. I still mm. have not been there. If you live in Orlando, and if you've been there, let us know your favorite coffee, and we'll go try yeah. that. <laughs> so really quickly, let's go around the proverbial room. Uh, I was just saying that I uh, my tea that I'm drinking is just boring decaffeinated Lipton tea. Nothing special. It's what Nothing I had, special. and I'd already had two coffees today because it was the first day of school for yeah. a new show that I'm doing Yay! right now. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what I was drinking. First day of school. <laughs> first, first day, day of school. school. <laughs> first day of spelling bee. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm having um, for those listening, I'm having Endeavor's Rise and Shine because I happen to have it, and it sounded good. So nice. That's what I'm enjoying a warm mug mm. of. Well, I wanted to you, try Kimber? something relatively local, and um, yes. so this is a Florida-based company. They're Bones Coffee Company. Bones, yes, yes, yes. we love tried it. Them and I'm few, trying like a yes, few weeks we've back. Had, we've had oh. them before in the show. Yeah. Oh, good. I, I, I never had. Have, have, I've never tried yeah. it before. It's really good. And I'm having Army of Dark Chocolate. Mm, that one's good. Yes, I think that was one of the two and that we had the on the episode. And what is the coolest thing about this? It, it was. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> is it? What I love about this, I'm just looking at yes. the package right now, is it has an actual like squeeze and sniff smell me patch on the back of it. So you can literally smell it before you buy it. Yes. 
It's like a refreshing it's like scent. like a scratch and yeah. sniff. <laughs> yeah, scratch and sniff for coffee. <laughs> the best. Yeah, all of their coffees are super fragrant, I've noticed. Um, and they have like the, that's the first thing I noticed, like when you grind it especially, is, is when it um, blooms, it's like all that fragrance hits at one point, which is awesome. But Very much, very much. Uh, well, Kimber, thank you so much again for being on the show with us today. It's been an absolute joy to talk about the process, your thesis, and all of this important information, not only as actors, but even just individuals with anxiety who might take away something from this show. Yeah. Um, so thank you, truly, for uh, joining us. Kimber, do you want to plug um, your uh, projects or, or website or socials or whatever you want to plug? Oh, sure. You can uh, follow me on Facebook and um, Instagram and all the socials, TikTok, uh, Kimber King Actor. And same thing online, KimberKingActor.com. Come on over. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Well, as always, we like to send off our show with our guest sending us off. So, Kimber, if you will, everybody raise their mug and Kimber's going to send us off in the very traditional way that we have. Be good beings. Drink good beans. Be those beans. Have a good one. Yeah, be the beans. Hit my The Artists Blend theme music was written and produced by Christopher and Sarah Bailey of Well Wishes Productions, a Nashville-based boutique production company specializing in multimedia production, live event contracting, studio, and live vocals. Find Incognita's infamous adventures on Amazon Prime and its soundtrack on all digital platforms.